For our scripture reading this evening, we turn to the epistle of 2 Corinthians. We're going to begin reading in chapter 12, verse 19. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 19, and we'll read to the end of the epistle. Again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swallings, tumults, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before, and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other, that if I come again, I will not spare. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. 
The verse that we consider tonight is verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, in his last words to the Corinthians, is addressing a great danger of which he is aware concerning every member of the church. That danger lies on two sides of the individual member of the church. And that danger concerns one's knowledge of whether or not they are in the faith. The Apostle Paul had that concern and knew of that danger with regard to the very church that he is addressing. And the threat that danger posed to the saints there at Corinth. And so, though he has written strong words, though he has written many exhortations, and he is aware of many errors in the church, he desires that they examine themselves and prove themselves in order to ward off that danger. That danger, twofold, is on the one hand that the individual members of the church assume that they are in the faith, that is, that they are saved children of God, that they assume that on the basis of grounds that are invalid or without grounds whatsoever. They simply take for granted and assume that I am in the faith. And whatever reasons might be given for that assumption, they would be false and faulty. On the other hand, there is the equal danger that someone, a member of the church, is forever doubting whether they are in the faith. Always questioning that they are in the faith. Always asking, always wondering, and perhaps even living, living long time in doubt whether they are in the faith. And so the Apostle says, examine yourselves. Now when the Apostle gives that exhortation to the Corinthians in the text, he is indicating that this is something that should be regular on the part of the members of the church. He makes clear that this is not something to be done by one or two members of the church. He does not direct this exhortation to those who were sinning in the church or had sinned. He doesn't isolate any particular individuals or group out, but he gives this exhortation to the church 
as a whole to all the members. And when he says examine yourself, the idea of that is keep examining yourselves. Don't examine yourself just once now before I come. Don't examine yourselves now and then. But this must characterize your life as a Christian. So much is that true that this examination is made a part of participation in the Lord's Supper. Four times a year we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we eat and drink Christ and involved in that as an essential part of that life of the Christian and essential even to his nourishment and his enjoyment of Jesus Christ is that he or she examine himself or herself. With regard to that examination, one proves something. So we're going to consider this text, examine and prove yourself. Examine and prove yourself. In the first place, we notice the calling that is given. Next, the purpose. And finally, the standard of that examining and proving. What the Apostle sets before us, beloved people of God, when it says, examine yourselves and prove your own selves, is what we know to be self-examination. One is greatly helped with regard to understanding this text if one would simply remember what we learn with regard to self-examination with regard to the Lord's table. They are essentially one and the same. What we read in the form and what we read here in this text are essentially the same activity. So that when you examine yourself with regard to the upcoming participation in the table of the Lord, you will be carrying out this calling of the Apostle to the members of the church. Examine in this passage means simply to test. To test something. So the command is to test yourselves. That's helpful because even the school children of the congregation know what a test is. A test is something that a teacher administers to learn something, to discover something. Or, as it's put in the passage, to prove something. And the idea is that the more thorough and intense the examination, the more we learn and discover. Now with regard to this examination, this test, importantly, the object of that test is myself. Examine 
yourself. But notice also the subject of the test. The one conducting the test is also yourself. You, you, individual member of the church of Jesus Christ, you examine yourself. That's important. We often overlook that. That examination, even self-examination, with regard to the Lord's table, is an examination by self of self. It's not an examination of everyone else. It's not a time for me to dwell and think about everyone else and examine them thoroughly with regard to their own lives, but to examine myself. That's the calling. That's the basic calling of the Christian life. In fact, there's something wrong, something seriously wrong, when we find that one characteristic of ourselves is that we do little examination of ourselves, little examination of our own life, but our thoughts, our testing, our proving is always with regard to everyone else. Even basic to judging others, which must be done and can be done and may be done, but even more basic to that. In other words, that cannot be done and should not be done unless one has first examined himself. Besides, that with which or that about which we are to examine ourselves is impossible to do with regard to others. There may indeed be things that I can examine you about and you can examine me about, but it's impossible for you to examine me with regard to what we are to examine ourselves in the text. And it's impossible for me to do that with regard to you. When you examine yourselves, you are proving something. So that tells us what kind of test is being run. Examine yourselves and prove your own selves. The point of the Apostle is that these are related the idea is that by testing, you will prove. You test in order to prove that something is what it says it is, what it claims to be. The word, the meaning of the word is even approved. Proved and approved are related. Proving, one is approved is the idea. And that should make sense. When we take tests, we do not take tests for any old reason, but they prove something. If you take a driver's training test, then that test is intended to prove that you are capable of driving 
so that you may be licensed to drive. And an accountant who is taking his CPA exams will take a large battery of tests to prove that he knows the law and knows the rules with regard to his profession. So also here. <coughs> Question also in regard to this then is to whom am I proving something? That is a good question because as we all know tests prove something to someone else. They may prove something to me or to another. When a child takes a test in mathematics then that child is proving for example to the parents and proving to the teacher that that child knows the mathematics lesson that is being taught. When you take your driver's training test then you are proving to the state those who issue the license that you are capable of driving. The question is who is being proved? Who is this proof being given to? And the answer again is yourself. The idea of the passage is not examine yourself. You examine yourself and then prove to someone else. Prove, for example, to the other members of the congregation something about yourself. Or even examine yourselves and now prove to God this about which you must examine yourself. Again, when one looks at the specific thing about which I am to examine myself and you are to examine yourself, not only is it impossible for you to examine me with regard to this thing, but it is also impossible for me to prove to you this thing. So it's not examine myself to prove to you, nor even God. God doesn't need this proof. God doesn't need to know and to learn by means of this examination and this test. God knows everything and God knows the result of the test. God knows that which we are examining ourselves with regard to. No, I need to examine myself in order to prove to myself. And that's partly the meaning then of examine yourselves and prove your own selves. Prove to your own selves about yourself. Now, what are we testing? What precisely are we examining? What exactly are we proving to ourselves? And the answer is whether you be in the faith. Whether you be in the faith. 
on this examination, on this test, is a single question to be answered. Are you or are you not in the faith? This question and this examination has either a single answer, yes or no. One does not examine himself and prove himself and come away with the answer, I don't know. Partly yes and partly no. When the Apostle says, examine yourself and prove yourself whether ye be in the faith, the answer is yes or no. Am I or am I not in the faith? That is what we must put to the test, and that is what we must prove to ourselves and test and prove without a shadow of a doubt, so that I know and I have proved to my own self in my own heart whether or not I am in the faith. Now what does that mean? Well, the faith refers to the whole body of Christian and Reformed doctrine or truth. It refers to, for example, the content of the Apostles' Creed. It refers to the truth about God, about the persons of God, about God's Son, about God's only begotten Son. It includes all of that which we find contained in our creeds that we confess in the Apostles' Creed. All of that, that's the faith. It's called the faith, the Christian faith, or the Reformed faith, because that's what faith believes. Even as we saw this morning, what is necessary to believe and what follows is the Apostles' Creed. And so it's called the faith. When we speak that way, and we all do, we're not referring to the faculty of faith in me. We're not referring to this union I have with Christ, but we're referring to what faith knows and of what faith is assured. The truth, the doctrine of that. And to be in the faith means, do you believe it? To put it another way, we are called here to examine ourselves and to prove our own selves whether we believe the truth and the doctrine of the Christian faith. Yes or no. To put it another way, it is an examination and a proof of whether I am a believer. Am I a believer? Do I believe? To put it another way, am I a Christian? Am I saved?
Those all are the same thing and refer to the same thing. One cannot be in the faith without believing. And if one believes, one is saved. One is a Christian. And we are to examine that and to prove that. This all by itself is significant. The Apostle here is setting forth the reality of the Christian life. He's teaching and saying that there's no place in the Christian life for not knowing that or being unsure of that. If you would ask someone, are you in the faith? Are you a believer? Are you saved? Are you a Christian? And the individual answers, I'm not really sure. There's something wrong. That's not right. That's not the way it ought to be. And notice how direct and personal it is. It's not examine and prove whether there is a Christian faith, whether there are such people called believers, whether Jesus Christ has done this or that for certain individuals. But again, like we noticed this morning, true faith is whether I hold for truth certain things and whether I believe certain things are done by Jesus Christ with regard to me and not simply to others. It's worth pointing out that this is not the same as examining ourselves with regard to whether we're walking in the faith. I suppose that would be a legitimate thing to examine. And there's a place for that too. And certainly, it is true that if one is in the faith, one will be walking in the faith. But that's not what the Apostle says. I raise that because it's often objected that one cannot know. One cannot really examine. One cannot really test and prove whether they themselves are in the faith. And so that, they say, is not what the Apostle is referring to here. What you can know, and only what you can know, is whether or not you're walking in the faith. It's not what the Apostle says here. We have to do justice to what the Apostle tells us exactly to test. And that the Apostle is referring not simply to whether or not we're walking in the faith. That would be an examination with regard to our ethical life. How does our life measure up to the standard of the law of God or the righteousness of God? That's not in the purview here. And that's evident when the Apostle adds, Know ye not your own selves how that Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates, or unless you be reprobates. Now, be careful here that word reprobate 
isn't the normal word that we associate with that term, that term we use for the other side of predestination than election. That word we use to refer to those whom God in eternity has chosen to leave in their fallen state, perished in Adam. It's not the word really used here. The word used here really means unapproved. The opposite of proved. In other words, the apostle is referring to the opposite of what it means to be in the faith. He's pointing out here the absolute nature of this examination and that it's a yes or no proposition. It's a yes or no answer to the test. One is either approved or not approved. One is either in the faith or out of the faith. Notice also that the Apostle is setting forth something that the child of God can do. One objection to this text is that if it means what I've said it meant, then the Apostle is asking people to do something they cannot do. That the Apostle is potentially asking someone who is not in the faith, that is not a believer, that is without faith, to examine that. And they would be right. Only the believer, only one who is in the faith, can and will actually examine themselves. But that doesn't matter. The Bible is filled with commands that unbelievers cannot carry out or abhor. Nevertheless, God gives them. And when God gives this one, the whole point is that only one who is in the faith will and can examine themselves and will therefore also be able to answer that question whether or not they are in the faith. The purpose, the purpose I've even said already is to prove. You examine so that you can prove. But that's not what I want to focus on. What I want to focus on is even further what it is that we are proving by this examination. What more precisely is being proven? The answer to that is when the Apostle adds how that Jesus Christ is in you. How that Jesus Christ is in you. Further proof that the Apostle is talking about what we believe. Because it is by believing, it is by faith, that we are in Christ. But being in Christ, Christ is also in us. It's an amazing text from that point of view. It shows you the mutual penetration as it were, of the child of God into Christ and Christ into Him. So that to be in the faith isn't merely to be loosely connected to Christ or simply to be attached to Him. 
But believing in Christ, being in the faith, means Christ is in you. That all by itself is important in determining or in how one would conduct this test. We'll get to that in a little moment. But realize what this means. Far too often when someone asks the question or answers the question whether they are a believer, a question that even sometimes the most hardened sinner will answer, well, of course, they do not understand or do not seem to grasp, but that means Christ is in them. And that if Christ is in them, then they will think and they will walk and they will act like Christ. But the Apostle puts it the way he does, deliberately. He does not straight away say, examine yourselves whether Christ is in you. He does not say straight away, prove yourselves whether Christ be in you. But he puts it the way he does for a good reason. Examine and prove whether you are in the faith. He's saying now, make no mistake, if Christ, if you are in the faith, then Christ is undoubtedly in you. But that's not his specific focus, because one cannot really know that and examine that unless one more basically asks the question whether or not they are in the faith. You see, that is something indeed that you can know about yourself and I can know about myself. And that's precisely why the Apostle brings this up to Corinthians. You, you have to see this text in its context. The Apostle is speaking to Corinthians. And if you know anything about the first and second epistle to the Corinthians, there were all kinds of problems in that church. The Apostle even says that there were those who had sinned. He talks about bewailing them. He even says of some they had not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness that they have committed. There were church political sins. There were sins with regard to keeping the Lord's Day with regard to party spirit, with regard to even the Lord's Supper. But he focuses their attention not to those things. He focuses them to a more basic question. Are you or are you not in the faith? And notice also he doesn't say that this is something he must do with regard to them. Or they must do with regard to everyone else. He comes to every member. And he does that. Because in such situations, in this regard, even with regard to our own personal life, you can know the answer to that question. That's the point here. If I would ask you whether Jesus Christ is in your heart, you're not going to be able to answer that question. 
Not directly. You can't look in there and say, well, is Jesus Christ in there or not? Let me, let me see. Even if, even if you would look at your life and you would want to answer that question by saying, well, of course, I, I see, I see the life of Christ worked out in my life. I, I see things that could only come from Christ. Doubts will set in. The devil is sure to show up and say, oh, is that right? Let's look at your Christ-like life. Look at the sin in that Christ-like life. And so one could conclude, no. No, I'm not saved. No, I'm not in the faith. And that's exactly what ought not be done. No, the Apostle says, look at the most basic, fundamental question of all. And that is one that one can always answer and knows the answer. And notice also that the purpose of the Apostle here is positive. He does not ask this question because he has doubts about them, which is amazing, given what he's just said. You would think he would address the Corinthians as reprobates. Address them much more harshly than he does. And perhaps he had doubts about certain individuals. But that's not why he brings it up. In fact, he even talks about them as being brethren. Implied in what he says at the end is not well, I really don't know if you are reprobates, but that's rhetorical. He's saying, you're not reprobates, therefore examine yourselves. I know who you are. Now, the question is, do you know who you are? Examine yourself. What's even more amazing is what the Apostle says as a result of this test and it's proving when he says, Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you. Now, I suppose you could read it this way. Do ye know for yourself, do you know for yourself whether or not Christ is in you? But you should read it this way. The idea is that when you examine yourself and prove yourself, you will know, number one, that Christ is in you, and number two, you will know yourself. It's quite an astounding statement, actually, that he's making here. What he's saying is, you really don't know yourself. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you are. You really know nothing unless you know that basic thing about yourself. Are you in the faith? In fact, it's really the only thing that's important for you to know about yourself. All kinds of people say all kinds of things about knowing yourself. They excuse sin because, well, they don't really know themselves yet. It's often said of young people. And People are told they know, need to know all kinds of things about themselves. They need to read this book. 
need to go to see this psychologist. They need to do this and that because they need to know more about themselves and what they've skipped and overlooked deliberately or not is the most basic, fundamental question. They've examined themselves with regard to this and that. They've taken this test and that test. They've subjected themselves to all kinds of tests and wondered about all kinds of things, but not whether they're in the faith. And the Apostle says that is fundamental. And it's fundamental because only then do you know whether or not Jesus is in you. And if Jesus is in you now, then you are saved. Then you are literally a Christian, a follower of Christ. And you will know who you are. You will know yourself in the most fundamental and basic way. Why is that important? Because that's who you are. What is your identity? Who are you? And we give all kinds of answers to that question. I'm the son of so-and-so. I'm a member of this church. I do this. I work there. I have this degree. This is my bank account. This is my education. Or even this is my sin. But fundamentally, who and what you are has to do with whether or not you're in the faith. The standard. On what basis do I answer that question? What questions do I ask about myself with regard to that? I suppose it's as easy as what we saw this morning. Do you believe the content of the Apostles' Creed? Then you are in the faith. But let's talk even more broadly about what we learned this morning, which is, do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe all the Word of God? Examine yourself with regard to that. There's a reason why that's one of the questions that's asked at Confession of Faith. The content of what we believe. And that's easy to answer. One does not have to search around and dig around and look around and think about whether they believe that what the Bible teaches is truth or false, right or wrong. But want to look a little deeper into it and bring us back to the Lord's Supper form. And that's really how I'm going to conclude tonight. Just briefly let me say this. What does the Word of God teach that we should believe? Well, the Lord's Supper form has done a lot of work for us and given us three things. For example, the Bible teaches you that you and I are sinners. That's what we are most basically and fundamentally, a sinner. A sinner who's worthy of damnation. Notice the standard is not saintlyhood, perfection, what good you've done, but do you believe you're a sinner? Let's start there. 
Well, that's where the form is going to start. Do you believe what the Word of God says? That all of your sins are forgiven and the righteousness of Christ's is imputed to you. Not because of anything you've done, but what Christ has done. And it's been done so perfectly and rightly as if you perfectly satisfied for all your sins and were perfectly obedient. Do you believe that? Then there's another question about walk of life. Do you abhor your sin? Do you hate it, despise it? Do you desire? Do you long for, do you look for a new and holy life? A more holy life? More perfect yet? That's examining yourself. And that's the standard. Amen. Let's now turn to the form. Let's read that. Page 91. So again, just keep in mind that the catechism, or the form here, is laying out exactly, exactly about what we examine ourselves. What it means to be in the faith. What is faith belief? The true examination of ourselves consists of these three parts. First, that everyone consider, that's consider by faith, consider by himself his sins, and the curse due to him for them, to the end that he may abhor and humble himself before God, considering that the wrath of God against sin is so great that rather than it should go unpunished, he hath punished the same in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, with the bitter and shameful death of the cross. Secondly, that everyone examine his own heart, whether he doth believe this faithful promise of God, that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the passion and death of Jesus Christ, and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is imputed and freely given him as his own, yea, so perfectly as if he had satisfied in his own person for all his sins and fulfilled all righteousness." And thirdly, that every one examine his own conscience, whether he purposeth henceforth to show true thankfulness to God in his whole life, and to walk uprightly before him, as also whether he hath laid aside unfeignedly all enmity, hatred, and envy, and doth firmly resolve henceforth to walk in true love and peace with his neighbor. All those then who are thus disposed, God will certainly receive in mercy and count them worthy partakers of the table of His Son, Jesus Christ. And on the contrary, those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment to themselves. We read that far. Let's now close with prayer. O Lord, our God, we have heard thy word, and we pray for faith to examine ourselves with regard to our faith. We pray for a strengthening of our faith so that we may thoroughly and rigorously examine whether we are in the faith. That we may prove that 
and that we may come to the Lord's table without doubt, certain of the great blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.